in China, shopping is first of all an experience. Going on a shop or e-commerce platform, it has to be very enjoyable. It has to be fun. But if I look at the you know, Western countries, e-commerce is first of all for efficiency. Welcome to the Leadership Activators podcast. I'm thrilled that you're here. If we haven't met yet, my name is Carol Issa. I'm a former sound engineer turned professional coach for leaders and entrepreneurs. I truly believe that it's so important to surround yourself with resourceful minds and it takes just one idea to create massive change in your life. With each episode, I bring you a special guest or message to help you enable the leader in you and live life on your terms. I trust you'll enjoy this episode. Thank you so much for listening and thank you for being you. Thank you so much, Jean-Yves, for joining me in this conversation today. Hello, Carol. I'm quite uh, happy as well to, to be uh, here to, today. Awesome. So, uh, Jean-Yves, you are the co-founder and CEO of Emotion Digital. So it's an agency that is located in Shanghai and Paris which helps Western brands get into China through WeChat marketing and other social media platforms that are particular to the Chinese digital landscape. And you have over 10 years of direct experience in China as a top executive. And you bring your expertise to your agency, Emotion Digital, and your client, helping them to leverage the power of selling to China. So I'm wondering, Jean-Yves, what do you specialize in and what makes your skill set unique and why? Thank you for the questions. Uh, in fact, Emotion Digital, so we help Western small and middle-sized companies to be visible and sell in the Chinese market. Because China is a digital country and mobile first. To be visible, you must be visible on uh, Chinese social uh, networks, WeChat uh, in particular. If you are not visible on this uh, network, in fact, you do not uh, exist. So all is different in China, and you cannot copy your, your Western uh, marketing strategy. You cannot use Google, you cannot use uh, Facebook. The mindset and behaviors of the Chinese uh, consumers are different, and uh, customer needs are quite different. So in China, you need to implement a Chinese digital marketing strategy to succeed with your business expansion. So what is it special with Emotion Digital? So we are a big cultural team, Western and Chinese. So we can understand the needs of the Western brands, and we understand as well the needs of the Chinese consumers or Chinese companies as we have a local uh, Chinese team working uh, in Shanghai. So I am myself, as you say uh, in the introduction, uh, I was living and working in China for 10 years. So I understand well China culture and the challenge of Western companies to succeed in China because I have faced the same challenge myself a few years ago. So I'm able to bridge Western and uh, Chinese culture and uh, business modes. So emotion digital is what I always say to the customers. We can be the ears and the eyes, in fact, of the Western brands in, in China. So which is very critical huh, to understand the local situation, to be uh, reactive. Huh? Because as you know, Chinese are always expecting very reactive behaviors from their suppliers, from their uh, service providers. 
So you need to be quick to, to answer their questions. And quite often, uh, customers have a lot of questions. Uh, another important thing is China is changing fast. So you need already to be there on the ground uh, to be evolved, uh, to, uh, to be reactive uh, and uh, up to date. So I believe that Emotion Digital is then the right partner for uh, a Western company, especially small or middle-sized uh, company, to enter China market. And we are there to help to build together their Chinese business story and uh, execute it. It sounds to me like uh, th there is a big difference between how the Western markets operate and how the Chinese market operate. And you touched on it a little bit in uh, answering the first question. So how would you describe the world of e-commerce in China in contrast with the Western markets, uh, like beyond the reactivity and the fast pace and mm. being uh, on WeChat, for example? Mm -hmm. Yes. First, uh, we should not forget that China is the first e-commerce market in the world. And it's a very innovative, very advanced e-commerce market, especially when it comes to e-commerce, but as well the social media. For instance, if I take the example of live streaming and social commerce, there are already matured concepts in China. But uh, in Western countries, we are just at the start, uh, just uh, the beginning, especially in Europe, what, what I know. So first to know uh, about e-commerce and social media in China, China is a mobile first country. And so 99% of the people uh, check internet on mobile, not on computer. So this is a very important uh, difference. So if we want, if you want to connect with the Chinese consumers, it's very important to be uh, on mobile and uh, to have a digital touch point on mobile. Otherwise, uh, nobody will uh, nobody will see you. They don't use email, so uh, all messaging takes place uh, on mobile uh, apps. Most communication, in fact, takes place on uh, WeChat, and WeChat is used for many purposes beyond just communication. Uh, we all know that uh, for, uh, in terms of payment, uh, there is Alipay, but there is WeChat Pay. So it's, uh, more than 90% of the transactions are done on uh, mobile uh, for, for payment. Social networks are used for the work, for the communication, for entertainment, for everything, in fact. So uh, if you take uh, WeChat, the first app in China, there are um, 1.2 billion users, uh, active users, on it, so it's really uh, huge. Wow. 44% mm -hmm. of the Chinese consumers spend their shopping time on social media apps. One third of uh, this time spend only on WeChat, uh, Weibo. Weibo is equivalent of uh, Twitter. So social media play a key role in the whole purchasing process of the consumers. In fact, Chinese consumers have a habit to purchase a product through the social media, and they prefer to buy a product which has been recommended through their social uh, circle. Uh, you know about KOL, uh, key opinion leaders, or KOC, uh, key opinion consumers. They are very influent, and China has a recommendation uh, culture. So, social commerce is growing about, I think, 40% at the moment per year. 
Uh, when traditional e-commerce is still growing a lot, uh, about 20%. So globally, it's a very high growth of the e-commerce, either traditional, either the new type, or the, uh, together with the social networks. So it is possible to buy on social media in China. You can do it on WeChat. You can do it on Doing. Doing is the equivalent of uh, TikTok. On uh, or Shu, it's called a little uh, red book in English. So on the same platform, brands can do the marketing and can do the sales. So China has very closed the gap between marketing and commerce. So in Western countries, for sure, uh, at least from what I know in Europe, we are not yet at this stage of the merge between social uh, networks and e-commerce platform. If we look at the traditional e-commerce platform uh, in, in China, they are as well integrated uh, with the uh, social media. It's a mix of digital payments, gaming, uh, short videos. Short videos have become uh, very popular uh, in terms of uh, content. And it's really a user-centric approach. Another very huge difference, I think, between uh, Western and Chinese e-commerce is about the way shopping is perceived by the by customers. In fact, in China, shopping is first of all an uh, experience. Uh, it's really uh, mm-hmm. all is about experience. Going on a shop or e-commerce platform, so it has to be uh, very enjoyable. It has to be uh, fun, to be an interesting uh, experience. But if I look at uh, in the Western countries, e-commerce is first of all for efficiency. Uh, you, you go on. A, e-commerce platform because you can go quick uh, things, uh, what you buy is is quite efficient. But in China, it's not at all the purpose. Uh, People, consumers go on uh, this platform, in fact, as a leisure. uh, It it is an experience. So so uh, for brands uh, in China, they must create a narrative around their products, encourage potential customers to follow along with them on this journey uh, to get an experience. So this is uh, very critical uh, to be uh, successful uh, in, in China with uh, e-commerce. So you must be able to tell stories to your customers, to um, uh, stories, of course, that uh, will impact uh, them from Chinese point of view. Uh, mm-hmm. The stories... Uh, which are impactful for Western people are not the same and the one uh, to impact uh, Chinese uh, audience. Something uh, that they can relate yes, to themselves. Yes, in their culture, yeah. in their own um, mindset. Yes, I, I hear you. It, it sounds like it's very easy to miss the mark as well if someone is coming with a Western mindset straight into the, the world of China because it sounds like it's a very demanding market as well. So someone needs to nail the customer's experience almost and uh, make sure that they are giving them the best experience ever um, to draw their attention as well and build trust over time. So if I were to move into your career a little bit, your personal path, what was one key lesson that you learned the hard way in your career? Um, It's not an easy question, it's one. I think what is very important all the time uh, is uh, 
to go out of the box, in fact, to go out of your comfort uh, zone, to overcome some uh, new situations, uh, to to take a new challenge. Is, uh, is really what I, uh, in fact, is what I learned in, in China uh, when I was uh, uh, expatriate, uh, at least uh, at the beginning. So I, I remember when I arrived in China so many years ago, I keep in mind uh, too many Western restaurants at the beginning, uh, some uh, habits. And I was not prepared, in fact, uh, to, uh, to, to adapt uh, at the beginning. So the first few months were not so easy to, man to, to manage, uh, to manage uh, the team, uh, because I had a, a very large team uh, at the time. And as well, uh, to cooperate with uh, my Chinese uh, colleagues. I was working for an international company, in fact, uh, worldwide company. And, uh, we were, that company was just starting a Chinese operation maybe two years before I, I joined Arabi in China. So after six months, I made the decision to forget about my Western reference, to listen more and observe more my environment. And I must say that after make some changes in my management ways, step by step, of course, you know, change cannot happen uh, 100% after one week. Uh, I, uh, things become uh, better, easier. And uh, what was very, very important, in fact, uh, I was showing to others, I, I want uh, Chinese people, that no? I, I wanted to adapt. So this is very important uh, to build the trust, to build the relations. So after step by step, uh, everything uh, has, has uh, become better and better, and it has been a very uh, good experience, uh, very enjoyable. So it it has been uh, one of the hard times, I would say. I hear so it's about really stretching your comfort zone, and uh, it's funny how you decided to forget, like chuck the Western world and immerse yourself into the Chinese world. But that was the only way for you to make it there, which yes. is really, yes. really awesome. So uh, what is it that you found to be counterintuitive when you started creating business opportunities in China? Maybe what I would say is more in the B2B field for companies in the B2B, because it's, it's true that when we are thinking e-commerce, social commerce, we are, we are thinking many B2C and consumer market. But uh, uh, at least is uh, how we feel in uh, think in uh, Western countries. But in China, in fact, uh, social commerce or e-commerce is as well for B 2 B for industrial companies, for industrial goods, for uh, uh, services, uh, business services. So this is uh, when I service to uh, some Western companies. Usually the they, they don't think about this they don't, uh, because it's not the case at all uh, in Europe. Uh, industrial companies are not using so much uh, internet or social commerce or e-commerce uh, to, uh, to sell their product. But in China, it's already the case for several years. So it was not the case five years ago. In fact, uh, five years ago, it was only for B2C. But now it's for any, uh, any type of business, any type of uh, product. So this is a surprise. Huh? Another thing which is counterintuitive, in fact, is about the cost, marketing cost. China is not a, is, it has become expensive country. And uh, when we are thinking about marketing, uh, 
strategy, marketing uh, course, it has become very expensive, more expensive than uh, Europe, because you need to be visible on several platforms using different contents. China is, is as well uh, quite a competitive uh, uh, country. You need to put money on advertisement to uh, to, to find the influencers, QF uh, or QOC. It takes as well quite a long time uh, to build a brand because there are so many companies, so many brands uh, already in China from all over the world and the Chinese world. So to be visible, uh, you need to try to, to invest uh, a, a lot. And the cost on social media are expensive. So uh, most people always think that uh, China is cheap, but uh, it's not at all uh, the case, at, at least for marketing, yes. <laughs> and it's even more expensive than in, at least from uh, Europe. Yeah, so it's, it, you need someone like you for people who are thinking about uh, opening a new market in China. They need someone like you who has the expertise and knows how to best optimize the budget to make the most out of it in an expensive environment. So find the smart ways to do it. Yes. At, at the beginning, uh, customers are always surprised. Ah, it's because you are expensive. But not, it's not I am expensive. It's, uh, if you want to have a success, yeah. If you want to be successful, uh, there are some investments to be made at the beginning. There is no choice. Yeah, absolutely. Like, uh, if you want to be on more than one social media platform and if the competition is high, I would imagine that the bidding would be on the high end as well. And uh, there is no shortcut for this. You want to enter the game, you, you have to pay for it and invest in it. Yeah, I hear you. So... In your experience, what are the typical myths that you have come across or misconceptions about uh, e-commerce in China that you believe need to be busted? Yes, is, uh, what we uh, just say, uh, China is expensive compared to Europe, but the potential is, is quite big. So you need to prepare to invest on the long term uh, to reach uh, the potential. Because China is not cheap, it is expensive, but worse develop as a potential is uh, huge and I believe uh, that the uh, Chinese market will continue to grow in the uh, coming years because the urbanization is not finished uh, the, the middle class uh, will uh, continue to, to grow for, for sure and the government anyway is uh, doing a lot of actions in the, in these directions but to access to its potential uh, you need to be able to perform well huh, to create the complexity of, the, of this market, as well as very high uh, competitivity. So it means that you need, again, more resources. Huh? You need to invest more resources, more costs, and uh, you need to, uh, to get the right skills to, uh, to understand uh, this market. So the other misconception is about the fact that you just need to enter on traditional e-commerce platforms such as Stimol. Some people think, oh, think okay, I, I will start with Timol. Uh, Timol is big, uh, they are very famous, uh, so it will work. But this is very theoretical. Fact. Uh, at the end, it's true, but uh, on Timol, on a traditional e-commerce platform, you have as well uh, your competitors, most of the case. You have many, many brands. Uh, and uh, if you are a small company, if you are not so known in terms of uh, brand, uh, you will not be visible. You will be on the platform, but nobody will come to you. No traffic. 
So uh, you need to uh, first develop visibility on the, on the market, invest in marketing for this, I would say six, six to 12 months. Then maybe you can enter on the bigger e-commerce platform. If your potential turnover is uh, big enough. So this is um, the most uh, classic uh, misconception uh, about, uh, about uh, trade marketing. Yesterday, uh, I had uh, a customer inquiry asking about this. Uh, why not entering a small uh, big e-commerce platform directly? That uh, I always have to repeat and to educate uh, customer uh, on this, that uh, they should not start uh, with this uh, at the beginning. Yes. So there's a big education piece that I'm hearing that you walk your customers through and your clients so that they know why yes, you're doing nice. what you're doing. And at the same time, it sounds to me like there is a big recommendation around not putting all your eggs in the same basket and diversifying yes. your investment. If you're enjoying this conversation and would like to listen to the other episodes on this podcast, visit carolisa.com podcast or search for the Leadership Activators podcast in your favorite podcast app. At some point in your career, you had to create a team from scratch in an environment that was foreign to you. And I know from a previous conversation that this was also a different game, complete different game from you. So what were the key challenges that you faced when creating your team in China and how did you overcome those challenges? Yes, so um, I will come back to my uh, past career when uh, first I came to China for an international uh, company. So I, I, it's true at the time, I have to create from scratch uh, a, a team. So I was new uh, to China, I was an expatriate. Uh, the company was expanding. Uh, when I arrived, there was only one uh, factory and one uh, commercial office uh, in uh, Beijing. And part of the products were still uh, imported from other factories in the world. But we, we decided to expand in China because we wanted to become the leader in our field in China. And so we have bought two Chinese companies with several, uh, several brands and factories with this ambition to become the leader in China and to develop as well local offer for the Chinese market. So um, my function at the time was in charge of industry purchasing uh, and human resources. I was as well the HR right, for Asian Zone based in Beijing. But so with the growth of the company, it was important to be more structured, more organized, and grow the competencies uh, for the future development. Because at the beginning, there was no need. Uh, it was just uh, one factory and uh, one sales office. So no need to have uh, global uh, organization. So I've been asked uh, to structure uh, and develop uh, the team uh, that, uh, at that time. So a really big, big challenge uh, because you, when you are not uh, Chinese, for sure the culture is different. So how to understand uh, the, the people who you, you want to hire on the market, make sure you don't make mistakes, uh, to, uh, make sure you hire the right people, where to find these people uh, as well. Uh, it was a quite a challenge. So what what we have done step by step uh, at that time is to look at our resource in our current factory and current sales office and see who are the potential people. 
So uh, one of the first steps has been to uh, grow some uh, Chinese uh, people from uh, the local factory and from the uh, commercial office. Uh, maybe these people were not yet ready to take a higher position, more global role. But if we have, uh, if we believe they have the potential to, to grow, uh, yes, it was a, a right decision to do this. So it's what I have done uh, at the beginning to promote some, uh, some of these people, in fact. And then they have been very helpful, in fact, to help me as well and to uh, recruit from people from outside uh, to, to have a good combination of uh, uh, people coming from the, our, our company and people coming from uh, outside and build a global team uh, for, for China to be in charge of the global functions for all our entities in China. So it has taken uh, around two years uh, to build uh, this. <laughs> So I would uh, I would say that as an expatriate, it's quite challenging to judge people from another culture and to assess their competencies and the potential of development to take higher responsibilities. But I would say that at the end, when I step back, it's just a question of knowing when your people. Um, so when you build trust among your your team members to have a free expression, free talk. But you are able to get a lot of feedbacks, even in channel, it works uh, like this. So they tell you feedbacks of what you are doing, of uh, what the question uh, you ask. And especially in China, I think it's even more important uh, to build this uh, good uh, climate and uh, trust uh, climate, because uh, China is a quite a hierarchical uh, country. The staff always respect most of the time, the, uh, the boss, and they, they won't tell you even if you do wrong things, except if you are able to really to, uh, to create this uh, trustful uh, climate, to create a relation with your team and to get to be able to to get uh, feedbacks. And for people management, this is uh, very uh, very important. This is huh, the, the, my experience so to, to be just in from scratch at the time. Yeah, I, I love what you shared around. You've been uh, bringing in the overarching theme of building trust with the market and with your team. And you just introduced a very important point as well, which is always be listening and uh, seeking feedback continuously, which brings me to my next question, which are two actually key pillars of being a great leader. So, for you, what does the word leadership mean to you? Well, when you think about leadership, there are so many uh, views, uh, in fact, uh, about this. You can find so many different uh, ideas uh, or definitions in different books. It's the same for management. And I would say that many things are quite theoretical from my uh, point of view. So if I step back from my experience, from my uh, career, I will uh, keep on it two meanings, which are important for me in terms of uh, leadership. Uh, the first one, I would say, is leadership is about people, uh, more than uh, about strategy. So I will insist really more on the leadership uh, about people. It's about people motivation. Uh, you need to motivate your, 
your colleagues or your own team. You need to empower them. And uh, for people empowerment is really about how to get good execution for your team, not doing things uh, yourself. So to, to bring the best out of the potential of the, of the people from the team. But leading people is, is in fact, is quite challenging. Is a, but uh, at the end, is the most rewarding experience and you can get in your career or in uh, my current uh, business uh, venture. And uh, what I remember from my uh, past Chinese experience is really the best reward is when you are successful to grow uh, to grow the team, and to, uh, to grow uh, others. Uh, it's important to empower the team and to give them ownership of uh, their work. Trust them to do what they think uh, is better, especially when you work in a different uh, foreign country, different environment. So it's even more important huh, to be able to, uh, I think, to empower the local people because they know uh, they know about the market, they know about the, how to do in their own uh, country. So success is really about growing uh, others. And the second point uh, I will mention about leadership is, is as well leadership for me is about leading by example. Uh, as a leader, part of the job is to inspire other people. Uh, yourself and in order to push uh, themselves to make sure that, uh, to, um, to have them follow you. So, so uh, I must show them the way by doing it myself. Um, so another way, maybe to uh, another wording to, to say it is leadership is really about work the work. This is uh, for me very, very important. And it's coming back again about uh, people empowerment. And during my Chinese experience a few years ago, and as an expatriate, I, this um, was very important to, to develop the, 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 the team. No? Because uh, as an expatriate, an expatriate is never there for a long time no? in a foreign country. You are there to grow and, and develop. The people will replace you, in fact, from the local uh, country. And as the company was going to develop and grow, uh, so in China, it was very important to be able to develop new managers, to take larger responsibilities with the growth, together with the growth of the organization, as I've explained just before. So my Chinese experience, in fact, has helped me a lot huh, to develop my leadership, in fact, much more than my uh, French uh, past uh, experience. You have to move away <laughs> from your assumptions and rebuild yes. everything from scratch. <laughs> yes, and out of the comfort zone. So... Uh, it has really helped me to, to, to develop the leadership because there was no choice right, to, to succeed. So it was very critical to develop a Chinese team, to develop new managers in various fields. Otherwise, uh, how to grow the company with several entities, how to structure the organization, and to hire, to hire develop people in different functions, purchasing human resources, R&D, marketing. As I explained, I have developed local managers to become more global and China managers in the central organization. 
even if at the beginning they were not fully ready. But learning by doing, uh, that's a good way to, uh, to develop. And it has been, after a few years, it has been a quite successful way, in fact, to keep these people. Because in China, it's not so easy to keep, uh, especially young people, in the company. So by, by promoting them, by developing them, it has helped a lot to keep them, make them loyal to the company because they were able to develop themselves. And uh, at that time, I remember we have a very high retention rate, very amazing, not even not normal, I would say, for in China. Uh, because instead of hiring only managers from outside, so we were able to develop them internally you know, through experience, through uh, coaching. And we are sending them as well to Europe, in fact, to uh, our US, to other sites you know, for, for them to, to, to see how uh, uh, how it works in, uh, in foreign countries and uh, to help them grow, uh, develop their know uh, and so on. So it has made our company quite successful huh, in China with the Chinese management team without uh, having we have two, two expatriates so, uh, and uh, more than 500 Chinese people. Uh, so many, many Western companies are failing uh, in, in China, but we have been very successful. Uh, for, for the long term, huh, because the company uh, now has been bought huh, by a bigger group, but it continues to be there and to develop and uh, to exist. And I've been proud at that time to be recognized as well by a China Award, in fact, from, uh, I forget the, I think CCH, the name of the organization, for the best HR team of the year in China. So it was a yeah, well, very good uh, memory and good uh, achievement uh, at that time. So to summary, uh, leadership is really for me about people, uh, about how to uh, empower people and about how to work the work. This is really the, what is important. Yeah, it sounds to me like there, there are a lot of uh, overarching themes of what you shared, which was trust, learning how that you can build loyalty, there is growth, there is also empowerment, there is inspiration. So uh, which is great pillars to, to have a strong leadership within a team and building loyalty and trust around them. So uh, if I were to ask you, Jean-Yves, about a book that you absolutely love, a book that you'd recommend to our audience, what would that book be? Uh, maybe it, it will not be a surprise for people who know it. <laughs> uh, the book I will recommend is The Art of War from uh, Sun Tzu. Yes. Is a Chinese general and a military, but as well a philosopher, from a very long time ago, because it was written before Jesuit, so very ancient time. It has been translated in the last, I think, last century in English. So it's a book I have been recommended to to read. In fact, before going to China some years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, to learn about strategy and to learn about uh, management. So at the beginning, uh, when, when I see the cover, when I see the, I was not so convinced. <laughs> you were skeptical because about it. <laughs> yes, <laughs> because it uh, looks uh, very ancient, uh, ancient uh, about military and so on. Say, so, well, what's the, what the link with? Uh, yeah, with uh, nowadays and with. Uh, management and with the context, but at the end, it's quite uh, true that uh, it's a book 
that you learn a lot, in fact, when you go to China to understand better the Chinese culture, mm -hmm. especially the management culture. Mm -hmm. so it's, it's quite uh, helpful. So I will recommend uh, this book. Uh, so I remember some key learnings from uh, the book, because it's already many years ago. Yeah. So to be a leader, you need to have discipline. It's, uh, For sure, for military, is just uh, normal, but it's the same in terms of uh, management in the, in the company because you need to be demanding mm. to your team to have a higher standards and um, you need to be disciplined in the work to meet the goals. Mm. And uh, when you want the Chinese people to follow you in the organization, but it's, it's quite important to. to uh, to have discipline as a leader. Yeah. It's uh, even more important in China than in uh, Western countries. Another learning is to uh, make sure that the soldiers, uh, the army, so have confidence in their general, which means that the leader needs to have a good management skill mm. to be uh, followed. So it's another learning in terms of management. And... Uh, Then the last one, it was to be aware of your strengths and weakness in order to, to know how you can compensate when you are weak. Mm. So when you know uh, where, uh, in which uh, skill you are weak, but you are able to uh, maybe to compensate through your, through your team or through any help you can get from, uh, from uh, outside in order to, uh, to, to, to succeed. Yeah. So to win a war, It's a more question of discipline, skills, spirit, than a question of physical power. So it's really the, the story of that book. It's a sensor to win the war. It was only about psychology, about kind of management and spirit, rather than to be physically very powerful and strong. And this was a key learning which has been helpful in fact to understand how uh, to run a company in China so, but it, it, it's quite as well uh, interesting uh, when you run a company or uh, run uh, a team in western countries but at the beginning it's true when you look at the book to start to read it's not uh, <laughs> so engaging <but> <laughs> <laughs> so you need to push through It sounds like you need to push through, yes. yeah, to, to get the key learnings and the, the golden nuggets in there. Mm -hmm. So for it was discipline, the confidence and certainty that your team needs to follow you. And then yes. it was also about uh, making know your weakness, knowing your sense, weakness yes. and strength and through the gap, see how is it that you can bridge the gap with getting the help from your team or from outside to make sure that yes. you're working with yes. and through people. Beautiful. Love it. Mm. Oh, so yes. what would be, Jean-Yves, a 30-day challenge that you'd like to throw to our audience, uh, a challenge that can create a high impact in their life? You always ask difficult questions. <laughs> 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 I, I think in order to, pro to progress in your know, leadership, in your personal development, or, or your career de development, It's very important to go out of your comfort zone, uh, to go out of your, out your, 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 your box. So you need to challenge yourself uh, every day. And uh, if you are, I believe that uh, when you are used to do this, you have less fears of uh, the unknown. 
you you face more the difficulties and you are more able to do new things. So this is a challenge that I will give uh, to your uh, audience. Huh? To push out of boundaries inside where you feel safe. Uh, the first recommendation to do this is really to, uh, to reduce the uh, unknown environment. Uh, try to get more information on this uh, environment. And even more important, to make a plan where you want to go. Uh, try to uh, be a bit rational uh, to, to plan where you want to go, to define what change in your behaviors, in your skills you need to, to do in order to be able to do uh, new things or to learn uh, new things. So it's important to make also yourself accountable for what you're doing, uh, to give uh, self, uh, develop self confidence and do it step by step to improve uh, the, your self uh, confidence. In terms of attitude, you need to keep it positive, whatever happens, because when you go out of your comfort zone, uh, you will face difficulties, you will make mistakes, everything will be not, not right, things will maybe will be hard. So it's quite important uh, to always think, ah, I must uh, keep a positive uh, attitude, even if you make mistakes or face difficulties and it's really what I've learned as well from my channel experience at the beginning when I go out of my comfort zone for sure not everything was good every every day but you need to keep your path and keep a positive attitude this is a challenge that I will give I, I think it's quite uh, interesting, and uh, at the end, uh, I'm sure uh, people will try to to uh, to go out of their comfort zone. They will get benefits for sure. Absolutely, that's a great challenge. It's, so what I'm hearing is that you are throwing a challenge for 30 days for people to have a look at what they usually naturally do and feel comfortable for them and try to challenge themselves to do something different yes. every day. And at the same time, bringing the, the accountability piece to make sure that they are on track mm. and they keep doing it even if it doesn't feel good and bringing the attitude of being positive to the game because as you step out of your comfort zone, most of the times you're going to be faced with challenges. And the key to succeeding with this challenge and to make the most out of it is to have a positive attitude to see how they can turn the situation around every single time. Yes, and just do uh, small steps. No need to do big, uh, big steps, but try to succeed in small changes. It's a way to, uh, to go. Yeah, progress over perfection. Yes. <laughs> so Jean-Yves, for the people who are interested to develop an e-commerce business in China, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Probably the best way is through LinkedIn. Uh, I post nearly every day on, uh, on uh, LinkedIn about uh, China, about e-commerce, about business in China, about Chinese consumers, about a uh, lot of various things. So they can find uh, myself and the company uh, on uh, LinkedIn. I have personal page and we have company uh, page uh, for Emotion uh, Digital. For sure, people can uh, write me email uh, as well. But my name is a bit longer, so my email is jeanyves.laguier at emotiondigital.agency. But I believe that you can find uh, 
my email and my LinkedIn on your website after after the podcast. We'll make sure to post the link, the direct link to your website and uh, to your LinkedIn profile as well. This way people can reach out to you directly. Well, thank you so much, Jean-Yves, for having this conversation together. It was great getting those insights into the Chinese market and learning more how is it that we can move from a Western market into the Chinese market with you. Thank you. Thank you, Carol, for this opportunity. I enjoy it uh, as well, talking about my China experience about leadership. It was uh, quite interesting. And I hope that uh, it was interesting as well for your audience. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm Carol Issa, and you've been listening to the Leadership Activators podcast. And if you're loving listening to this podcast, I'd love for you to write a review and leave a comment on what you've been learning and enjoying the most. I'm looking forward to being with you again very soon in the next episode.